0: Good evening, and you're very welcome to episode 40, I nearly said 30 there, episode 40 of the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. Myself, breath and and of course, as always, uh, for the 40th time this year, Aaron, it's Aaron Clark from the WNL show. Aaron.
1: How have I survived 40 episodes of you this year?
0: I know. Well, I could ask the exact same question about myself. You've been all over the place. You've been great. I've been stuck here in the office, or whichever office we're in at the moment. Uh, you've been off to Hungary and Australia and anywhere else in between that the Ireland girls have been. You've been all over the, the map at this stage, literally all over the map uh, in the year. But it's been a fabulous year. We've Drawn the league season at home to a close. Of course, we do have that cup final on Sunday. We're going to be talking about that plenty through the next hour or so. Mm. But um, we'll also be chatting about maybe some of the facilities. I think that's on, on our talking point. We had a chat. We were both at the P Mount game. Um, at the weekend, a great end to the season. It was lovely to be invited officially by James when he was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was a fitting end to the year. Six one winners against Sligo Rovers. Probably, to be fair, it flattered its a little bit on the balance of play. Definitely the better side, but probably not six one the better side. Would that be fair to say?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't I don't think I really were well. what was it? Two nil half time Got up to what six nil and then Pim then they got it they got a goal back. In a way I was actually I was a five and they got the goal back. In a way I was actually delighted for the fact that Sligo didn't leave that game goals because it would have been would have been unfair in them. Steve Finney's last game game in charge. But you could see you could definitely see they were trying to do things at times and they frustrated Piemont a bit a bit with what like everybody was saying oh, I was gonna be a celebration. Piment had to work hard for the first couple of goals and sort of to to get them amy hardy and goal had made a good couple of saves in the, in the first half and you know p was starting to get frustrated when the goal came it was a it was a nice no, it was a nice pass and then jess Charles was finishing with the first goal and you started to thought once they got one they would get a couple going into in two and a half time you could still see people are really excited and looking forward to the, the trophy celebration but i'd say in, in fairness the p-mounts did a very good second half on, on the on, on the cards the, the one thing that a lot of people are saying is their sponsor was obviously offering a bonus of 500 five hundred euro to their academy for every goal that was scored. The question around payment was: Would they go for? Would they continue to go for? And they did. In fairness, to them, and it was probably the right thing that they had to do. But I think Sligo played their part in the game, and I, I think it's it's a bit it'd be a bit disrespectful to say Sligo just came up to Dublin just to get rolled over upon. You know, they tried they tried, did a couple of chances as well. And like for Sligo, it's been a difficult season. It's been a, a tough season. Like some of their some of their away fixtures, to Dublin in particular, when you look at the shells game and the miserable conditions where they lose one 0 they come up to the P Mount. It's it's sort of a it's a bit of a sad ending to the way the way it ended. But like there's lots of reflection in Sligo. I think for them it does
0: it's funny because when you say that because we both bumped into separately I know we both spoke to Tommy Hewitt over the weekend he was up uh, looking at his charges he of course replaces Steve Feeney one of four at least four managerial changes that we're aware of coming into next season he's the only one confirmed there's three vacancies that we're aware of Noel King of course leaving shells Uh, there's a vacancy down in Wexford Lizzie Kent was there a temporary charge for the last few months and Alvin Heiss of course will have to be replaced there's actually
1: five there's there's actually five they have not officially. Payments,
0: payments Bose, well. and
1: that's come here i'm, I'm going sorry to cut across the p email again but the way balls have acted in this situation with the managerial change is actually disgraceful they haven't come out and said anything they've literally everybody's talking about it everybody knows what's going on everybody knew the management had left weeks ago like why is a club if you're trying to attract players you're trying to set standards why is a club do you not just come out and say okay we've decided we're going to part away with our management team wasn't working out. That's okay. People say, okay, that's grand. But the fact of actually saying nothing and just sort of hoping it will fade under a tree and, and nobody will really twig it. Like, you just had to look at the the bench for the shelves game. I think there was – the only person who was still there was the kit woman, Emma McDonough. Everyone else was brand was new. And they just come out and actually treat the treat the, the league with respect and just say, listen, we've let our manager go. Other clubs have done it. We've seen Wexford they come out and said Stephen Quinn had left during the season. Like it's nothing to be ashamed of, but the way they've handled the situation for me, I think, is extremely poor from, from Bowe's. And like I know that, that on the men's side of things they're not having the great best of the times at the minute we're losing the cup final and then really the, the poor run of form, but I just think the way they've handled it, it's 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 not a great look for the league and it's not a great look for Bowe's either.
0: Yeah, I, I do agree with you and we've we've had this conversation a few times through the year for various different issues where again within that League of Ireland community that exists that pre-exists before the WNL sides or the League of Ireland women's sides have, have come on to fruition and um, how much do they really care about women's football and I think in a lot of League of Ireland clubs I think if they're really honest um the answer to that is probably not a whole pile there are some who are phenomenal the investment that Shamrock Rovers put in last year despite not winning a trophy not getting to the cup final we will talk about that as well later in the show um, but that's it's laudable that they've made that investment and stuck to it and really committed to the women's side of the game shells have done similar in in recent years as well in terms of the resources that they were allowed given that they have put in um, s- some others have been really good atlone it nearly seems have gone almost like Pimount where the women are nearly more important than the men down there and they've been rewarded with with some really good league performances in the last two seasons and two cup finals and i think it does come through i don't think it's a i don't think it's a surprise that uh, Shamrock Rovers, shells core or shells atlone and pmount who would probably be the four clubs that I would say absolutely com- have committed? Maybe Galway as well, who won the Avenue Sports Cup, have really committed to women's football. The jury, in my opinion, is still out on the others, uh, and I I say that maybe Wexford, you could argue, is, is definitely in there as well, but they have been kind of outside. Wexford, 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 Wexford well.
1: for next year is where we're going to really, we're going to really yeah, look at it. Wexford. That's Wexford's really gonna...
0: exciting. Like we haven't even talked about that in our build up, or even in the bit uh, when we were chatting off air beforehand. I think the future for Wexford is really exciting. Some of the statements that have come out this week from the county council, the local league, Wexford FC itself, we did know they were merging the men's and the women's together. Now it looks like the whole of football in Wexford is really looking to get behind this new facility project. Uh, Unlike the rest of the League of Ireland, I think the fact that the council are involved, the fact that they have to get rid of ferry carry to to allow for a new motorway is probably going to speed things up and ensure it gets done, which I think is key in in, uh, League of Ireland developments. We've seen delays at Bowes, we've seen delays at Finn Harps, we've seen plans at Sligo that haven't really seen any... um, any anything on the ground as such yet i'm sure we will Sligo, like to be fair are, are very good in terms of community of of pushing those projects across the line but we see a lot of delays in talker park daily mount finn park uh, or the new facility up there in uh, finn valley so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how the next year or two pans out and i think it's important for the clubs i, I really really do i think it's really important that clubs get that identity for women's football within their own brands. The investment that Shamrock Rovers have put in this year hasn't reaped the rewards. I know they'll say it's been a success, Cup semi-final and third place, but I think if you ask them privately, I don't think they'll be happy with the year they've had. Um, And I think it's a big question mark now as to whether they continue to invest in that side of the club. I think they will. I hope they will. um, But I know there's uh, internal conversations about resources and and the direction that money is going and and there are arguments against the women's football internally within the club i think it's important that women's football hold out and, and keep that investment and keep that and uh, resources that, on that i've been thinking about this a little bit
1: and i'll be interested to get your opinion on it do you think shamrock rovers come in too heavy 100% of 100%. that's what i'm
0: thinking 100% i think th- i think they had to first of all because of the the stature that shamrock rovers have within the game and i think I think you need to also appreciate how far ahead of the rest of the country both Shells and Piedmont were 12 months ago. I think realistically, I know Wexford were in the hunt, Athlone were in the hunt, but were they really in the hunt? When push came to shove, it was always going to be the Peas and Shelbur- Shelburne that were top two in the in the table. And I think, um, yeah, they both dropped you're, points. I'm going,
1: I'm going to stop you. I think you're doing a disservice there to the Wexford because you have to realise Piedmont couldn't even win the, the league coming to the last day of the season last year and like you're right in what you're saying. Over the years, it's been it's been them too. But don't forget, and Wexford don't forget, but Wexford have won a like, three, four league titles as three. well.
0: Definitely three, yeah.
1: you know what I mean. So like, I I'd say like from 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 the viewpoint, I think it's always been that top. I think for someone to break to make a breakthrough, but I don't know from a Shamrock Rovers viewpoint if the the sort of investment that they made was actually needed to make that. Yes, they needed a, a, a sizable investment, but I don't think making the investment that they made was probably needed to the actual to the extent of what they did. And like the problem is, is for them is now if they don't sustain it or they don't keep it close to where it was, people have just come out and absolutely there'll be a hatchet job against Shamrock Rovers because the problem is, is and they made statements themselves about bringing the standards of the league up and bringing stuff like that up. Unfortunately, when you when you don't get to a cup final or you don't win the league, people are going to turn and say you made these statements in the preseason and they're going to have to suck up, suck it up when it comes to, you know, the abuse and the backlash they get for saying these sort of things. But like they are one of the only clubs, one of that many clubs to put their hands in their pockets and say, yeah. you know, we'll offer this. We like I remember speaking to a couple of players and they were saying like when you walked into Robbers, you were given everything. This, this is trying to gear you're going to wear. This is every. This is where you're going to travel. This is this. This and that. And the thing is, other clubs have to get there. Other clubs have to get to that extent
0: as well. And that's the thing. I think that needs to be the bare minimum. And I wouldn't be against. I know a, a smaller league is not ideal in terms of the the number of teams you face week in week out and the variety of the games you play but i think it's quite clear to me over the last definitely over the last three to four seasons and probably since the inception of the league the bottom third of the league has always been way off the pace you look at the kilkenny's the limericks the treaties the corks the sligos they just haven't been at the races and you could even make an argument this year for dlr and uh, wexford as part of that group as well of of teams who just aren't at the races this year in terms of competition and I think if we're looking at a case where ideally in a perfect world uh, you sit down with uh, Niffle and uh, you look at what happened in the Avenir Cup and we had 16 teams that were more than capable of taking each other on uh, at that level. I think there's 16 teams on the island plus the five that weren't part of it from from Niffle is 21 teams and you've got a lower division as well I think up north um, or regional divisions. You've got regional divisions here. I don't see how we can't have a league with approximately 20 to 30 teams in uh, maybe a a 10-team Premier Division and then two 10-team First Divisions beneath that. And I think it becomes really competitive. And the teams like um, Linfield and uh, Glenthorne and Strikers and a few others from up north who did really, really well. Uh, Cliftonville, of course, got to the final of the Avenue Sports Cup. They would do well against our top sides. And I think subsequently the Scions and Derry and these type of teams... Would do very well against uh, the DLRs, the Sligo's, the Treaties, the Cork's um, at that level. And I think. Looking
1: looking at our bottom six teams, right, in the league over the last five games, Sligo Rovers won two games out of five, Cork City won one game, Bowes won one game. Every other team both, uh, from so, I mean, from Bowes, Wexford, DLR, Sligo, Treaty, and Cork. Between all them teams, in the last five games, they only won four games between
0: And I guarantee you they were all against each other. Mm-hmm. So. You probably don't have that to hand, but I know Sligo beat Boas, for example, and or Sligo beat DLR wasn't in, in that second last game, and, and so they all beat each other. None of them beat a team. And Sligo, the
1: be Bo- Sligo be- Sl- Sl- beat Boas and, DL- and DLR. Boas beat Treaty and Cork beat Treaty, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. So, they need to, we, we need to see a more realistic league structure, and while what's there is great, I think now we have the capacity, we've got a load of clubs coming through at 17s and 19s, and we have a load of player pools that exist. And yes, maybe not all of them are good enough to get through to compete against the Piemanns, the Shells, the Shamrock Rovers, the Galways of this world. But I think if you were to say to Drogheda, Dundalk, Cove, um, some of these smaller sides, Longford even... um, just in terms of geography where they're located is, is ideal really for some, for some clubs um, that we should be looking at having those teams in a second division um spread regionally so that you keep the costs down. The standard is not quite at the same level as the top half of the premier division. And we can go ahead without the Northern Ireland teams. I still think it works with eight and eight. You know, you could, uh, you could definitely find five clubs coming out of under 19 that will put teams into a second division, put them in there with maybe Sligo treaty Cork, um, or whoever happens to be the bottom three next season. I'm not mm-hmm. picking pick three. If they can get their act together and get the results to be out of those bottom three positions, brilliant. But I'd relegate three teams next year uh, and have them in a second tier with five brand new teams. That's what I'd be looking to do, and I'd be dealing with the teams in the 19s to identify who those clubs are going to be. I've named four. You could throw Cove in there. You could possibly throw Mayo or, or Kerry in there as well for a geographical spread. Carlo Kilkenny I'd love to see in there. Cavan Monaghan, if they've got something going as well. I'm not quite sure if they've got something going. Donegal, no. of course, Real Harps are up there. Um, and, and even trying to coax Derry City across into a second tier, it might be more attractive to them in terms of, uh, if it's a regionalised division, it might be more attractive to them than, than the Northern Ireland League, where they are, let's be honest, getting hockeyed every week uh, to a large extent. So I think there's, there's a lot of possible opportunities for clubs within the league to really grow into... Um, the level that they're at and i think we have enough interest now we definitely have the player pool we have the coaching pool Uh, we need to now look at uh, creating more opportunities for more players to play at adult level uh, at senior adult level and build it up to where we've got 20 to 30 clubs playing in a league ideally cross border but if we have to 15 to 20 clubs in a in a um a single state League brilliant again. Do you know what I mean? You could make it uh, eight and then two sixes beneath that, and you would end up with 20 teams. The players are there definitely. If you reduce the level that some of them have to play at week in, week out, I think we could find the players and let them develop from 17, 18, 19 through a senior side.
1: You're not wrong, you're not wrong at all. That's the thing. The thing is, these are the sort of conversations that need to be happening now because if they don't, if things like this don't happen in the next couple of years. You're just gonna lose so many young players to different sports to different things, and like the other the other side of it is is that like we all want this league to, to grow and develop. We all want this league to to push on. We all want this league to be the best league it can be. But at the minute, it's it's currently stagnated. The Shamrock Rovers, yes, they added added a little a new buzz to it, but that's only one team. Whereas when you're looking at the gaps, I think there's an awful lot of pressure on.
0: I think Galway added, Galway added a buzz to it as well this year. To be fair, a little bit more subdued and a little bit less flashy and in your face.
1: The reason but- the reason why I didn't I didn't say Galway is because the fact that we did have a Galway WFC team last year. That's why I sort of didn't say where Shamrock was coming as a new team. But your can your can your thing is like you look at teams like Treaty. For me, there's a lot of pressure on Treaty next year. A the managerial appointment is massive. Who they get, they need to get someone who's going to be good and who's going to be of a high standard. Alvin Hoyes has done awful an awful lot of work there this year, an awful lot of great work. To which we'll probably see him being rewarded, if not this off season, maybe next season with a with another opportunity at, at a crack with, at the women's the Premier Division with a team. But like for me, the fact that they've gone Dave Rooney's last season, then they brought on over Alvin, that just sort of flip flop and manager and like. When Kieran McCormick coming out and saying, you know, we want to do this, we want to do that, we want to improve. There's a big pressure this year.
0: Niall Connolly had the guts of a year in the middle of that as well between Dave and... Correct.
1: Correct. Niall Connolly was there as well for you.
0: There's been a lot of changes. Like, they're going into their fifth manager in basically four seasons, four years. Um, So, like, that's a lot of change. I I think it was inevitable. A couple of things... uh, a couple of things broke the surprise for me when I did see the announcement of Alban leaving, and I, I was happened to be in Piedmont when I got the message straight after the game. The other evening we were, ha- I was invited. To the we were both invited um, to the the post match um, celebrations, and I do want to talk about that because for me that's one of the highlights of the season, and I'll talk about why that is. Uh, later on not just because i was invited and i was there but the actual event i think was kind of a special night um but alban's notification came through and i showed it to one or two people either side of me there was a few from the club and a few from around the fai that were just in my vicinity and i said oh my god this is after happening and people were surprised i wasn't and the reason i wasn't was he wasn't at the announcement tommy barrett was at the announcement the day the investment was announced and the explainers and the interviews were done for the future of the club Alban wasn't part of that and I think that spoke volumes and I think as well that we are going to see a heavy local influence in the team next year, both uh, in the management or Canadian influence. It's going to be one or the other. We're either going to see a Canadian coach coming in with a half a dozen Canadian players to to match what's already there or we're going to see uh, a local and there's plenty of people. Like The one legacy, the, the one really good positive legacy that Limerick FC left was their policy uh, when it came to youth coaches? Was they didn't pay anybody for their time, but they paid for the coaching badges. So you have per head of population or per team, you have a, an unbelievable amount of A and B licensed coaches in the greater Limerick area. Now, the junior um, football community in Limerick is huge, but those. Coaches want to move on and want to be involved in in higher levels as well as as do most of the players from a young age. So you've got this pool of players that really want to, or pool of coaches that really want the opportunity, and they they have an op they have options. And um, I think Alban was great. Would I have removed him from the position if it was in my power? I'm
1: not convinced. I'm not convinced they removed him. Okay. From what I, from what I'm hearing, I'm not convinced. I'm conv, I, From what I did hear, and I'd be open to correction. I did hear like the traveling was quite a lot as well for Alban and. You know, you look at the way he was complimentary to the club. Complimentary to club. I'm, I think it might have been more of a, a mutual thing. It would be interesting just to have a chat with Alvin and sort of under, understand. Because normally, you know, off the back of a season that they did have. But you, you've mentioned something that sort of caught my eye for the wrong reason. If they bring in a Canadian coach and half a dozen Canadian players, what does that, that what does that do for the for football and region and Limerick? It does nothing. It sort of just... Well, I it, think, it maybe it gives them a bit of a couple of fans, but what does it do for the next generation? What do you see I the next day? The think next day, Madden be- going to go. But the thing for me is, the next day, Madden going to go like, Michaela Lawrence. You have to remember, Michaela Lawrence was there, Nicole Nix was there. There's several of that underage team from Wexford Utes. Yeah,
0: up, I right? think,
1: We're I think, all I think,
0: at three. I think importing players will buy them time, and I think that's key for them at the moment. You take, um, if, does if, it, if, you if you take a yeah, but if, let me just finish in out for a second. If you take the likes of those girls you've just named, and they're perfect examples, there's plenty more um, uh, who've been to Cork, Athlone, Wexford, Galway. They've gone everywhere over the last few seasons. Um, they've left what they felt was a sinking ship. Now, if Kieran McCormick and Mary Curtin, who I believe have the, the connections and the capability of doing that job, if they can make that side, let's say, as competitive as a DLR over the years or an Athlone over the years, all of a sudden staying at home in Limerick becomes a more attractive option to the 16, 17, 18-year-old who's going out and getting beaten every week and one of the oldest on the team at 19, 20. And I think if you can solidify that standard at the top level it does create that atmosphere where an Amy Madden feels like, okay, I'm getting a half here, I'm getting 30 minutes here, I'm getting a start every now and again, and I'm I'm part of something that's successful. Even if it's only moderately successful in mid-table or the lower ends of that kind of top four or five spots, I think it's a different proposition. Uh, I, it's not positive in the long term, but I think it could give them that little bit of a jolt, uh, provided the players they bring in are good enough to get them to that level, and that's the other key.
1: I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I feel I think it could go a complete other up. So way where players just are like you know what they're bringing loads of players here. do if this is the way they're going to go in the future, I'm better off going somewhere else. And that's my concern, and like especially because treaty being known to have mass exodus at an underage and stuff like that as well. So like the, the first thing is sustaining and getting rid of the the mass exodus. That's the most important thing for me at the minute in terms of and sort of just having to stabilise and like the problem is and. I know Shells finished second in the league, but the amount of players that they brought in from abroad, some of them didn't work. Like you look at some of the players, didn't even last half a season, some of them gone. It hasn't worked there. Only realistically, Maggie Pierce has worked, uh, Christy Gray has Gray's work, Gray's worked, Morgan Reese and Patches work, uh, Libby Moore was good against Shamrock Rovers, but she's played very limited minutes. Whereas I think for Shells, the best players to come out of Shells this season young Hannah Healy, Rebecca Devro players like that, Leah Doyle stepping up massively. I thought Megan Smith-Lynch has had a great year. Uh, it's been all their, their players who've been at the club, Alex Cavanaugh for many years. A lot of them sort of players have stepped up massively for Shells. My, that's what my concern is, is that clubs are too quick to look upon what's out there, what's further afield. And it doesn't always work. And that's my concern.
0: I think as well, specifically about Shells, I think, and, and I like Noel. I, I, know, I know Noel a long time. He's very, very... Uh, astutest in what he does i think he's one of the best coaches and maybe not man managers but he's definitely one of the best coaches i've ever seen on a trainer pitch uh, and i respect the hell out of what he's done in the game however i think he just got a bit stale and and one of the criticisms i would have of noel is that he has a first 11 and he sticks to that almost religiously he doesn't make the, the number of subs you would expect or you see other clubs making um I don't know how much he trusts the girls who are maybe 18, 19, 20 in the squad uh, over maybe the girls who are in the 12, 13, 14. Not specific jerseys, but you know what I mean? In In his train of thought, he has his 11 and his couple of subs that he uses, and it's very hard to break into Noel's thinking if you're not in it from the off. And I think Christy Gray is a perfect example. For me, she's potential team of the year caliber performances, but she's only started 14 games. You know, so um, across all competitions this year, which isn't enough in my opinion, she's played half the m- minutes that Maggie Pierce has, half the minutes that Kiva Keenan has, um, and yet when she's played, she's always looked dangerous. Yeah, and that's one example. I could give you three or four more. I think uh, you named, uh, uh, you didn't name Kayla Hamrick. I would have liked to have seen more of her this year. I definitely would have liked, liked to see more Libby Moore. I don't even know you if she's. More. I don't even know if she's still there. That's.
1: But but that's what I mean. Like you look at um, I can't think. We're 2nd name on the bottom as well. Real up top as well. Mucha area, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You know, players have just gone and come in and gone. What it reminds me of, and you talked about it so much last year is Heather O'Reilly. That's exactly she
0: what it reminds me. But Heather O'Reilly was a gimmick. I don't think these girls were gimmicks. They no, but gimmick- what I'm, what, what I'm saying really.
1: is players just come, coming in, going. You know what I mean? And that sort of thing. And like you have to, you have to realize and, and like shells. <laughs> People talk about oh Shells f Shells been great this year. Shells have a massive underage structure at the minute. Like some of the players that are coming through in that underage teams, you know, are just unbelievable. And they're getting better and they're getting better regularly. Like that under-17s team won won the double. The under-19s team lost the final to, to Wexford Youths. But you look at the Wexford Youths that played that in that under 19s final. Malloy scored. Ellen Malloy played like Malloy played 90 minutes the, I think spent seven or eighty minutes in that game. They won 4-0. Frey de man... Sh- um, Jess Lawler, Anya Walsh, Claudia Keenan—it's so many players who who have so much first-team experience playing in that sort of game, and like you 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 look at the likes them, and that's where I sort of have that little bit of a, a fear of too much influence from the outside in terms of other other leagues or other other things when. Like, don't get me wrong. When you get a player who's top, top quality and they come in and they make a massive difference and they, they make your team better, great. Because we've seen that with Maggie Pearce. We've seen that in, in glimpses with with um, Christy Gray. We've seen it with Dana Sheriff. We've seen it with Maddie Gibson. We've seen it with other players like Jamie Erickson and, and Galway. Like, we've seen it with players that it's worked, but I just think sometimes clubs are too over reliant on it.
0: Well, I think, I'm think i glad you mentioned the two in Athlone and, and Jamie Erickson over in, in Galway. And you could add a few more to that in recent seasons. Uh... Oh, her name escapes me now. She played she worked for Hot Press last year. Um
1: uh, a Star. Starr.
0: Yeah, she was a goal, we went to Shells. She was in the league for a couple of seasons. We've seen Maddie Gibson, we've seen Dana Sheriff, they're there for two years now, and Dana Sheriff is now talking about hoping to be Irish eligible and and break her way into Irish squads and interviews this week um it's not beyond the runs of possibility she's been she's been impressive when she's played and and to hear players who've come in from the outside but have embraced life we had Maddie on the show earlier in the year and Dana uh, on earlier earlier. on, on earlier in the year and uh and she has bought into the community. You know, she talked about how she worked in a coffee shop locally when she was injured. Love that. Most people would have just gone home and yeah. come back when she was fit. And and to be buying into the community, I, I know um, they seem to be really bought into the club down there at Lona, are doing really, really good things. I'm really excited for what they're going to bring next year. I think there's a really exciting management team there now. We'll I'll love...
1: go as far as saying this, and I'll say it on the record. If Maddie Gibson was fully uh, if Dan Sheriff was fully fit to start of the season, Danny Sheriff would have won player to you. I I really think so. I really think so. I because think if you look if she if she look what you look what she's done, listen, Karen Duggan is gonna win. For me, Karen Duggan has to win the yeah, Karen That's
0: win. What I mean. I don't think anyone touches but, uh,
1: Karen but I I think if Danish Dana Sheriff had him in fit at the start of the season, Danny Sheriff scores twenty five goals in that league. Easy. And that's a, big statement. That's, a that's a big, big statement, big statement. <laughs> but I, I, have no doubt about, and I'm, I'm. That's being honest. I think she does do that.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe she she got twelve in effectively half a season, so it's not uh, thirteen. Should I say? But let's talk about that as well because we've actually been distracted. We're still supposed to be talking about Pimelus Sh- Sligo, so let's let's try and pull ourselves back. I know it's been a half hour of a tangent. Apologies to the listeners, or if you're watching this, uh, we we do get opinionated when we're. Uh, getting into passionate. topics like this because we're, we're very passionate about the league and I know we're, we're two blokes and sometimes uh, the blokes get dismissed when it comes to the women's side of things. They, they like to hear the women's point of view and I fully appreciate that. But we've been around the game uh, for you over a decade, for me almost two and, and we know a lot of these players personally but we also know a lot of the clubs and the politics and the stuff that doesn't get reported behind the scenes as well and the individual little rows and tiffs and and relationship breakups and breakdowns that happen between players and coaches and players and other players and uh, players moving around from club to club and the tensions that that bring as well uh, in terms of the game at pmount let's talk briefly about Mount united because um i know we're going to see a team of the week announced next week at the awards a team of the year. Apologies, we're not going to get into it today. We will break it down next week after those awards, uh, and give our thoughts on on who maybe made it, who didn't make it, who should have made it, who maybe was lucky to get in. Um, but I think there's plenty of discussion that we'll be doing on that in the next uh, seven days or so. But in the meantime, Pima United this year, we both had stuff out in our socials the, at the WNL show for you and Final whistle IE for us uh, on Twitter or whatever over the, the last few days and. I think the story of payment for me, I think they're front runners. They should be. They won't because that's not how Irish sport works. But RTE team of the year, I don't think there's a better story in Irish sport this year than Payment United. And, and they would hands down win that award for me. I don't think they will. I think the women's international soccer team might. And it's the only team I feel probably deserves. Actually, no, it doesn't deserve. I'll be straight up. Given the, the World Cup performance, they deserved it last year. I'm not so sure they actually deserve it this year, but they'll probably get it all the same.
1: Is no, that fair? They, don't. they don't deserve it. And for me, I would love to see the FBI get in roll in with a campaign to get p A nominated and then get p to win that award. Because the story is just, it's fascinating. And like, for everybody saying the dynasty's over, p are done, P-Mount aren't going to do this, p are finished, P-Mount might as well not put a team out this year. Like... I remember back when we were looking in last year and you're looking, okay, Anya O'Gorman confirmed she's gone. Steph Road, Steph, well, Steph Sambert didn't confirm until later on. Then all of a sudden, a tweet pops up. Yeah. I'm staying at P-Mount. Once that tweet popped up, you knew, okay, P-Mount are going to build a team because I always had confidence with the fact that Karen Duggan, I was like, if Karen stays, I was like, okay, they'll probably keep the likes of if they keep the likes of them. And, like, for me, and I've said it to James, i said it on the show, I said it to him at the weekend, it'd have been so easy for James just to turn around last summer and just go last winter and go, Do you know what? Listen, I've had enough. I've had three league titles, to- I've had two league titles, I've won an FAI Cup, given them my bests. But like the magnitude of the, of the of the of what they've done this year, how they've done it, like it's been more impressive for the fact that They've ground out results at times where previous seasons they'd never get the result. They'd probably lose the game, but they're getting three points. I think that to me is probably it's it's a sign of everything. Like I spoke to Chloe Maloney the other day, and it was nearly as if, you know, Chloe was probably nearly gonna be you could see the emotion on her. Driving up from West Clare to train, had lost an all ireland in the final playing ladies' football with Claire. And she talked about how this is our, our best sporting moment ever. And like she's someone who had three National League titles. You know, she didn't. She was a bit time player in some of the other ones, a mainstay player in that female team. Nivry Burke winning her sixth Women's League of Ireland title, most successful player ever. Like, there's so many different stories in that female team. We, like, we've talked about the six they lost, then they lose two. Other, they Well, technically, they lose, they lose one, but they've lost two if it includes Tara being injured and, at the midway point. And, like, it's just. Uh, every time it, it's just a magnitude of it. It's you know for the, for that group. I'm not. have uh, been in women's football for a long time. I've a lot of envy for that group just to see, you know, you could see how much momentum meant to them and how how special that moment was.
0: Yeah, for me, I, I spoke to a lot of the same players you did over the weekend, but I spoke to Jess Fitzgerald, uh, youngster. She's still eligible for the underage team. She broke into the squad in the opening a couple of games. Um, she talked about the disappointment, and this kind of speaks to the character as well. She she talked about the disappointment of not getting a minute in the first two appearances and how she was really gutted not to be part of that. And I was like kind of thinking to myself, like at your age in this club, that is a that's the norm you'd be lucky to get five minutes through the season never mind in the first two games but once she got into the team she kept her position and she was phenomenal but she talked about the highlight for her in the year I asked her about um the highlights and not the obvious ones like the 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 winning the 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 title or, or whatever but the the moments that she really enjoyed through the year and she talked about Karen Duggan's goal against Wexford last 10 minutes of the game tight battle against a side that were expected to challenge for the title and Karen Duggan popped up and stuck the ball in the back of the net and gave them the three points and and it's those three points and and that kind of attitude where she realized at that point oh hang on we're in this to win this we can actually go and do this and and you saw that confidence just grow through that squad they lost Kate Mooney uh, who was top scorer in the league at the time she went to the UK um, and they replaced her um, with youngsters, you know, and and the likes of Ellen Dolan coming in and having the impact eight, she's had—eight
1: league goals for Ellen yeah,
0: Dolan—it's it's phenomenal in half a season, effectively, you know. And so it's we're looking at the next generation of players coming through. These girls are better. We've talked about this before in the show about how they're technically better. They've had way more experience at a much higher level, week in, week out. Then, then the Karen Duggins of this world, then the Onya Gormans the Steph Sambers of this world. Those girls were were probably four years behind in their development. They had as much football played at 20 as these girls have at 17 or 18. And that speaks volumes to the quality that we're seeing in the international teams, despite some of the results we've seen this week with the under-16s. But also, uh, we're looking at uh, the quality of players coming through. And the under-17s and the under-19s are technically better than the girls playing in the senior league at the moment. I think they're going to pass them out as the seasons go- progress. And in the next two or three years, I think we're going to see lots of 20-year-olds playing and not that many 30 plus year olds playing I think it's just they're not going to be able to make the teams
1: interesting thing on Jess Fitzgerald there's a couple of times this season I've been in Mount and post game I've watched James O'Callaghan and I've watched him intently where he goes over at the end of the game and he's coaching through a moment of the game and she's there you can see her taking it in she's 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 doing what he said or she's you know she's mimicking what he says whether it be a movement and she's just taking everything in and to me like even you know, even when you've won games, you're still having that conversation with your coach. How can I be better? That's the sort of thing that stood out for me an awful lot this year. Like I know I probably shouldn't say this, but take the Galway game away. Pima made loads of changes the way to Galway. They sort of knew they had the league wrapped. Like the couple, of, I know they won't. Karen Duggan said it to me, but they won't. They won't say it in a public. They won't really blame an excuse. But the players missing illnesses and stuff like that. Nine out of ten games, apart from that Galway game, away from home they won. Phenomenal.
0: No, it's it's phenomenal, and I think for me, the highlight of the season wasn't necessarily watching PMA's path to the final. It was the atmosphere in the in the club on Saturday evening, the whole way through from before kickoff through the game. Um, I I like I, I'm a bit of a solitary animal. You know, it takes kind of a special kind of a, a human to to get up on a bike for a year and a half with nobody with me, and I loved it every minute of it. Uh, I like being on my own. I don't necessarily like being in a crowd even at Sporting. Yeah, events. I got
1: that on Saturday. I got that. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: only guy who likes to be down the far end, just <laughs> watching and analyzing myself and kind of and looking at things and, and watching players and and just watching the, the the game and I twice I and I stood beside Vinnie Patterson he was there obviously previously involved with the club I was chatting him for a few minutes. We got moved. It was ridiculous. The far touchline in payment the half down as far as the gantry um had a thin line of people along it there's a nice wide path two meters wide ish uh, plenty of space for anyone to get by there was no obstructions there was no nothing and some guy from Pobby tg car or the production company came along and said nobody can be here and they cleared half of the sideline
1: it Probably was because most, of the comedy
0: books it was the most ridiculously thing most ridiculous thing i've ever seen mm-hmm. they should have should have had it boxed off at the start or left people. There was very little... Now, I'm sure insurance will tell you that they, they did the right thing when they noticed. But it was... People were, were annoyed. People, everybody was just annoyed. And looking at each other kind of going, well, that's ridiculous. So I went like, literally 180 degrees round the pitch to the far corner and watched it from the far corner. And as soon as I did, a gaggle of youngsters arrived around. <laughs> me, all of it, 7, eight, nine. Great to see them at the game. Love seeing them there just don't want them a meter and a half away from me screaming at phones and at each other and so I kept walking I moved around again and no sooner had I landed than they arrived in a different batch because the original batch was still where I'd left and there was just kids everywhere and from a personal point of view, it was a nightmare. But from a, a league promotional point of view, it was absolutely beautiful to see these kids coming along. Some of them P M players, very obviously Piedmont players. Others, just fans, wanted to be there with their mates. The event was as much about the, them being out with their mates as it was about the football. And that's what you want at that age anyway. just to Can, be we, talk, out
1: and around. can we talk about the Guard of Honour?
0: Uh, I didn't see it. So it the up. Guard
1: of Honour was done. So Sligo pretty much gave a Guard of Honour from about... 10 metres from the centre, about 15 metres, 20 metres from the centre circle. That's where Sligo's Guard of Honour started. There was a payment youngsters, fans, uh, family members, coaches, from where the the little entrance to the pitch is, out for about 35 metres on a diagonal of a
0: Guard of Honour. It was absolutely brilliant. I came in quite late, and there was a Guard of Honour from the dressing room to the tunnel as well. Yeah. On the far side. So now the tunnel is off-putting. That's just not... it's. I find it creepy. I can only imagine what it's like uh, when you're walking out there on a dark night to train and there's bodies around everywhere and I still found it a little bit creepy. Uh, but it's I know it's practical to get across the road or whatever safely, but uh, they could do with some lights in that tunnel is all I'm saying. But the the whole atmosphere from the night was brilliant. The end of the night, and this was the bit that I, I loved the most, was anyone who was involved with the team in any way, shape or form, or the club at any level was invited back inside to the clubhouse a they had the facilities to cater for it on site b it was a free bar and i know that sounds ridiculous but it's the it's the that that was the highlight i don't drink i'm teetotal so it didn't bother me i was driving anyway so it didn't bother me in the slightest and a lot of people were just there for the for the community of it rather than the the free bar but the idea that you were going to a club at that level and not been asked once no one asked you to buy a, a raffle ticket or maybe they did, and I they missed me. But nobody out was asked to buy a raffle ticket. There was no raffle on the night. There was no, um there was no request for money. Did, in it, there. did, a, ke- did a cake
1: sale on the far side, but they never once actually turned out go buy some cakes. And actually, in fairness, I'm not gonna lie. I must have spent about fifteen quid on cakes because I'd Andy with me and the sister, so we were like we we bought stuff there, but like. We were like, oh, lovely, there's something different. We don't, it wasn't even the fact that out of a charity. But, like, you know, and that's the thing I like about it. It's, it's, it's nothing like that. It's just sort of, it's go out there. And
0: like... There was a couple of charity initiatives on the night. I know um, there was an autism. I think that might have been tied up with the cake sale as well. Um, I saw a couple of players promoting that during the week. I think um,
1: Lorna Callahan.
0: Laura Callahan was definitely involved in that. Yeah, but it was it was just a nice night. Nobody was asked to contribute anything financially. It was come in, we want to thank you, we want to give you a drink or two or whatever you feel like, really. And um, There was no... I tried to pay for the first drink. I thought James was joking when he said it was a free bar. I thought he was just trying to get us to go in. So I went to pay for the first drink and my friend goes, no, no, this is on me. One of the lads I used to work with who I met at the game randomly, I didn't know he was going to be there. I won't name him to, for shaming him, but he goes, don't worry about it, it's on me, I've got a tab. And then the guy behind the bar laughs and just says, no, it's all free anyway, it's grand. Um, so, But it was just one of those nights where... It was about the players, it was about the club, it was about celebration. There wasn't a take, it was all give. And for me, that's the beauty of having clubs like Paymount at this level in the, in the game. I guarantee you, you wouldn't have seen that anywhere else. You might have been charged in somewhere else. There was definitely no free bar in any other club in the country uh, at the end of the season, I can guarantee you. Uh, and it was just the atmosphere. Some of the speeches, I have to say, team of the year... Avril Brearley deserves to be in Team of the Year just for the speech she gave. I don't know if me. you've read
1: one of the funniest um, things
0: I've ever heard in my life. So I don't know if you've three.
1: seen Avril done a story where I think it was it might have been Emma Duffy in the 42 at the start of the year and talked about you know highs and lows and you know the things outside of football and stuff like that and you know to see someone like that it was only fitting that Avril scored the last goal. It was only fitting, and we won't talk know,
0: about keeping. Uh, but it was—I don't know. you have
1: seen the photo on our social media. I actually, because I went, I went, Andy. Glasses. Up with, like, the glasses. I was like, they have to be fake. I was, like, Andy. I, I thought he was messing. He put something in Photoshop or something when he was sitting in the car, and then he sends me a couple more, and it's like, out, I'm like, it's just typical. It's just Avril all over. And do you know what? For player people like that, you know, people who've had it. Haven't had it easy in the league in terms of haven't always been a, a starter in clubs, I've always had to work hard to play minutes and and things like that. When you see them sort of players get that recognition and that reward, because it's as much about the senior internationals, the future senior internationals who are going to go on and have accolades and have stuff like that. But for people like Avril, who has had to work extremely hard for everything she's got in football. You know, it's 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 a heartwarming in itself, and I can only imagine what the speech would have been. What the speech would have been
0: like. It turns out she's uh, she lives with Karen Duggan, so she was the one that was selected to to give the I don't want to say uh, an epitaph to Karen Duggan's career, but she was there to kind of. Uh, a thank you to Karen. It was hilarious. Definitely character of the league for me this year, if not probably ever. In terms of uh, a bit of crack, but she seems like she's good fun. But she's also
1: one of the nicest people. She's also when she's not having a bit of laugh with you, or she's also one of the nicest people. in me, that's the funny part of it. And you know she know stuck I mean? that
0: goal in the back of the net very nicely on Saturday evening. The sixth goal, six-one winners. Uh, two from Jess Dolan. Let's get back to the game. We're supposed to be talking about I mean, with Jess, with uh, sorry, Jess with Charles Sorry, Jess with Gerald. Ellen Dolan with two. Avril with the sixth, and the f- um, uh, Erin with the with the thir- with the I think with the fourth goal on the night. And then in Emma of with the, with the Emma
1: probably the best goal of the bunch, to be honest. Rounded Nemo and tapped it into a net. I, th- I thought the breakaway was, was superb. I thought, yeah. you know, and I was just delighted for Slogo, because that's what they deserved. As much as it had been great to see Nemo keep a clean sheet on the night she gets picks up her sixth medal. And um, the fact that you know Slogo didn't go away empty-handed for me was amazing. There's one thing we haven't mentioned. The likes of Nemo giving away her boots, she gave her shin guards away. She was walking around the pitch in her socks after being all wet. I was just like, it's just it just makes this league is just so special.
0: Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it the other night. Uh, Finally, on that game, and I said it to Tommy Hewitt at halftime when I bumped into him, um, I was impressed by Sligo. I genuinely was impressed by Sligo. I was down there. At the end, they were defending in the first half, and I just thought uh, they're a different outfit to what we saw at the start of this year and through most of last year uh, when they kind of fell off a cliff in the middle of last season they're they're harder to get through they're harder to score against even though they conceded six in the end they were much more solid than i've seen them in a long time and i think i think to be fair to steve feeney maybe the results haven't been phenomenal this year but no more than treaty in the same way as as they've improved i think sligo have improved under his tenure um especially since maybe the middle of last season when after that shells game they didn't win a game for a year um but now i think they're a much tighter outfit and i think the find of amber hardy in goals is huge for them i think she's i think she's only 16 or 17 but she looks about 23 or 24 she's a big frame she's tall um she's well able and she's mobile and she looks fit and she looks she looks like a a potential senior international if she sticks at it and, and gets the right path through her career whether that's at Sligo or elsewhere I don't know but she's got a couple of exciting years ahead of her and if Sligo can get a goalkeeper that's consistent week in week out we've seen flashes from Kristen Sample we've seen flashes from uh, some others Amy Mahan has uh, flattered to deceive at times Bonnie McKiernan has looked very decent for them but then they follow up a phenomenal performance with a poor performance the following week and from what I've seen, two of the best goalkeeper performances I've seen this year are the two games that Amber Hardy has played in. The only two games she's ever played in the league. Um, and I've been really, really, really impressed with her. If she gets a full season, um, Sligo could benefit by as many goals as, as Treaty did this year. They couldn't if they can cut out twenty, thirty goals next season conceding, they could be a real threat.
1: And but the only problem is they need to keep the Lockery Sisters, they need to keep Amadharty. I need to keep Casey.
0: Howell. Howell. I, th- I think
1: keeping for me, I think keeping Emma might be difficult enough. I think they'll keep. They probably will keep Emma, but I think Casey
0: Hell could be the difficult one to keep. A really, really hard one to keep. It's hard but, to know. It's hard to know. But she's she's vital to them. I think. Um. And then don't forget Tommy Hewitt's coming in. That raises the question about the the local Sligo and Leitrim girls who are playing with that loan under him. Will um Murn coming with him just with just, a, just to correct
1: you no, Tommy you is not coming in Tommy a has started
0: Tommy you nope. started
1: at midnight after that game he was already talking about he'd already got his things in his head he'd already you could see the the, the, the cog was already spinning he already knew what he wanted to start and I, I think for him the most important thing is the next six weeks is the most important for Tommy yeah, Uwe.
0: yeah but it's exciting times and it's like well let's move on from that game and let's try and actually talk about a bit of football for a change let's go down to Cork Shell's in action down there Brought out to Bishopstown. The facilities, again, not adequate for the League of Ireland. Let's be honest about it. Um, It's not good enough. The pitch is in terrible condition. The angles for streaming the game. The fact that it's streamed at all is a huge... Plus to Cork City, congratulations. Well done to them. Aaron, Aaron Howie deserves that's a lot. Important. Of. It's, it's important as that keeps going. They've never let the quality drop, even if the on-field stuff at times has been challenging. The off-field stuff has been important. And that's the sort of stuff I was talking about earlier in terms of the clubs really backing the, the teams. We've seen from shells, and I don't want to single them out because they're not the only ones, but we've seen from shells where the commentary isn't working or the camera's not working or there's no stream at all. What about,
1: a- or what about the comments that are made towards the end of a stream as well when around the person was in that? Asked their opinion, stuff like that. To me, LOI TV has probably been the, the, the biggest
0: letdown this year for me. And um, some clubs have done it great. I think, I th- yeah, I, I think I wouldn't go so far as to say it's been the biggest letdown. It's been one of the biggest letdowns. It's also one of the biggest positives where it's done well. And eighty to ninety percent of it is done well. Let's be honest. Some of the commentary, and I know you've done some games. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to include you in that because you're here and you'll you hit me through the. Whatever side I'm on. Yeah, side. I'll get you on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it, um, the, the commentary across LOI for both men's and women's, I think it needs attention. I think uh, in a lot of places it's excellent. I think the bias, I don't mind a little bit of bias. It's kind of always going to be built in. I don't mind if you're obviously a home team fan and you're 60 or even maybe 65 or 70% favoring your side. That's fine. But blatantly criticizing the ref every time your team gets a free or something given against them is not acceptable. It's not professional. And I, I listen. There are commentators out there who I think, um, and I, I don't want to name some without naming all that impress me. But there's definitely some out there who uh, are as excited when their team concede as they are when their team score. I'll, and then,
1: yeah, I, I'll name one or two of you. I'll be the one. I love Max Thompson at P Mount. I okay. love Max's commentary. Yeah go on the only thing i wish for from max is i'd love max to have a second co-commenter I'd, I'd I'd him. Him. a second voice he's brilliant the way, he's brilliant at what he does i'd love yep. to have a second voice there i'd love him to bring that production on because and the other thing is i'd love to see like some max do other teams games i i know we talk about the lads in in athlone yeah. using first names and stuff like that but they're still they're quite ed- they're, they're quite they're sometimes biased but they actually know what they're talking about and i think that's as much as important because if people know what they're talking about, you can help and support the rest of the way. I like I know I don't know if you've seen it, but I know Royal Newton put out a call recently for um but,
0: yeah. a, a, uh, a female
1: to really, help out.
0: It was sent to me by some of our female team members here at Final Whistle and um let's just say the commentary was not the commentary on it was not the most positive from the women that he's probably targeting. They just felt it was tokenism. There was no job offer. It was just, I'm going to get you ready for job offers. And the sentiment coming back from, again, female members of our team was he had the opportunity to do that when he was head of sport in RT and chose not to. So, it's too little, too late from Royal Nugent was the was the impression that they got from it. He could have done something like that ten years ago when he had the power to really make that change and he chose not to. We look now at what's on RT for international games. And it's almost 30, 40% on men's games, women's commentators. And it's almost 100%. Apart from, I think, um, Richie Sadler is the only one I can think of that did... Uh, did Stephen Kelly do a couple of the men's games? You were out of the country. You were off Swan and yourself in Australia. But but it was women commentators. We brought in girls from England. We brought in girls from Scotland. We had a a, a range of Irish international I know, players. I
1: know Steph done, the, Steph done the commentary for all the Ireland games in the, in the World Cup because she was based in...
0: Oh, I'm talking... Yeah, but even in the... In the um, in the studio, you had yeah. me, you'd Megan Campbell, you'd um, Jessica, Ferry, Jessica
1: Ferry's done a couple of games for me. For me I, I enjoy listening to Jessica's commentary. I think she's when she like listen to and Joey and all when they do slog our hours games sometimes It's a
0: really challenge, it, yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. I love it. But, but I, I, the first time was funny, it got very tiring. Like when you start calling Greg Bulger the doctor and repeating it. <laughs> same joke 27 times it just got a little bit much for me but i do love joey he's great crack in person um we were at a game uh, maybe four or five years ago joey would have been in his mid 50s or mid 40s at the time Got it. sorry joey it would have been his mid 40s at the time uh, if not a little bit older and Sligo were poor. They were getting beaten at the gate by somebody, and we joked with Joey sitting two or three seats down from us. Did he have his boots? Could he play the second half? And he said, "If you give me the gate, the entire gate, whatever you took it in on the gate, I'll play one game." And I was just like, "Oh, yeah, that, that Joey hasn't uh, lost it anyway." But he's he's a great character. But I could I can't handle him on that commentary. <laughs> I just I know he's popular, but not in my world. Um, in terms of the games, Shells, Cork was that a poor end of season Cork performance or? Uh, Let's just shake out the cobwebs and prove we still have the, the ability to put a team away from Shells.
1: Probably a, bit of, probably a bit of both. More of a poor Cork. Noel obviously made a couple of changes. Uh, Hannah Healy getting on the score, score She I think Michelle's viewpoint, I think that's an important win. The magnitude of the win as well is probably quite important as well going into that Cup game because I know the bookies will make Shells favourites, but for me at the minute in terms of actual pure football form, I would probably say... I, fa- I fancy Athlone more in the Cup. So I think for Shells this was an important an important, important performance. Christy Gray with another two goals as well. Like it's just been it's been a good end of the season. I think Shells will be Shells will be happy to get second place into a cup final, an opportunity to give Noel King a send off.
0: Yeah. I I think you're probably right. Then of course we'll talk maybe later about how they managed to get second place with that result as well, which I think is probably a key thing for them. I know it's not I know what to say. If you're not first, you're last. But I think Shells will be happy enough with how the season finished up, given second place. Come on,
1: come on, come on, come on. All Shells and all P-Mounts fans are, are, are delighted The Shells finished second. And, and it's been all over social media the last couple of days. There's so no point well, in hiding it. Well, Certain let's look the people-
0: table for a second while we have it. Uh, p Shelburne, top of the league. And I suppose if you were being cynical, um, you would say they both lost the guts of half a dozen top players, first front-line players, first-team regulars, to Shamrock Rovers this season. I think there'll be a lot of people in Piedmont and Shelburne who'll be quite happy that they're both ahead of Shamrock Rovers at the end oh,
1: of the yeah. season. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. And you can, there's no doubt that that was in a lot of people's minds. Like, And you can you can even see the reaction from female people on Saturday evening when they heard that Atlona got the fourth goal to equal us. The people people were happy. Um, people were
0: delighted. I happened to be I happened to be in the company of Karen Duggan. I uh, did I, I wasn't gonna say it. I, I wasn't yeah. gonna say it, but I did say see it. I'm not gonna say what she sh- said, because that's not fair. <laughs> uh because she didn't say it in a public setting, but I happened to be in the vicinity where she was standing there and found out that Atlone had she scored fourth, and that it was um Dana Sheriff that had scored twice to win the golden boot as well. And uh like as she said, as a few of them said to me after the game, off the field there's no rivalry; they're all mates. Do you know what I mean? The on, girls the, on the field there's a massive rivalry. Oh, yeah, on the field there is, and this happened the on the field, club. so it stays on the field. It's, but, the, same, uh,
1: it's the same in every club that Brefni, because you look at you look, you look at the players in Shelburne and Pimant on the pitch they probably hate each other, but off yeah. the field you'll see a lot of them, a lot of them are, are very good friends. Even the girls who went from from Shelburne to Shamrock Rovers. Still, a lot of them are still friends with each other, it's, it's
0: football and that sort of thing happens yeah. I think, I think uh, Karen Duggan would happily have paid for the golden boot <laughs> 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 uh, not not against Anya but just about the whole thing in general, it was just the, the way it all worked out, but that was pretty uh, eventful as well, let's jump to that game Shamrock Rovers 4-1 up against Athlone with 20 minutes to go, it looked like it was a dead duck, it looked like Athlone had just kind of turned off and said we've got the cup final, we don't really care what happens outside of that and then all of a sudden I suppose it kind of became um, that lady, Dana Sheriff's performance, but a full team performance from Athlone. They pulled themselves back in, game finished 4 all with that th- third minute of injury time equalizer from Sheriff to not only deny Shamrock Rovers second place in the table, uh, but also win the Golden Boot by a single strike from Onyo Gorman, who'd only taken the lead in that competition uh, in the first half of the game. It's, it's mad.
1: Mental, absolute mental. But I wouldn't mind. Second half I actually said season. it. I said it to a few people and I even said it to Tommy Ewa. I said, I fancy Atlone to get something out of that Shamrock Rovers game. A 4 1 down, and I laughed a bit, you know, it laughed at me to say, Oh, they're gonna go back and finish four all. i have be like, ah never go away. And even when I heard when I heard it was I heard it was four two, heard it was four three, when I heard it was four all I thought people were messing. I thought people were actually just on the wind up. And that's been genuinely but like it just shows the you know, the resilience from from They've been on a great run of form. I think for them it's probably a it's a big, it's a big, it's a big point for the fact that they played Rovers in Talla the week before they played Shelts. They they're bad. The last time they played in Talla in a league game in a in a cup game, they were beaten two 0 by Shelburne in a, in a in a game that they probably shouldn't. They probably in this on the second half alone they probably shouldn't have lost. They should have did that many did lots of chances. Whereas if Scarlett Heron's one goes in, it's probably a different game. So I think they were for them. It was an important to sort of get something from that. Builds up into this weekend which which is exciting but I think from a Shamrock, you know, Robert's viewpoint yeah publicly they'll probably say happy enough third place cup semi-final privately I can't imagine they'll be happy with that
0: no they won't be happy with that at all does it change anything ahead of the cup final for Athlone psychologically to have had that comeback be in such fine form against arguably let's be honest one of the top sides in the country despite third place they're still uh, one of the top sides only lost one game all season that can't be denied either Like. <sighs>
1: Don't know overcha- if it doesn't change an awful lot, but it definitely it definitely gives them confidence. It definitely gives them, you know, the understanding that they can go to Talad. You know, they they have a bit of familiarization, and we often see in other sports where teams will tend to train in the in the in the game before the the stadium before the cup final, where they've had a great opportunity to play there the week before. albeit a different opposition, but the, the thing is, they're coming in against the shell, so it's. For me, personally, and some people won't like this, but I think for from football from a football viewpoint in terms of the, the Women's League of Ireland, the league needs an Athlone win more than it needs a Shelburne win. But I'd, I, as much as that, I'm not a Shelburne fan, um, but I, I'd still love to see the likes of Pearl Larry lift Pearl lift the FAI Cup again. I think Pearl's been uh, a massive ambassador for this league, but then again, I'd love to see Larry Ryan get her hands on a on a cup for, for, for Athlone. like. I think I definitely do think the league needs an Athlone win even more. But from the, just the relationships with like some of the Shells players that are built over the year, you know, it's it's, it's, it's a tough one.
0: How much does the managerial appointments in Athlone now take effect this week, given the, the connections that uh, both um, both men in, in charge of, I suppose, Athlone have had with Shells in their, their own playing careers and their own coaching careers? Mm. Coaching
1: wise, I don't think an awful lot from in terms of Kieran off, but I definitely think from Ken Kieran for sure he, he'd know a lot of the Sheldon players, he'd know a lot of what a lot of their good traits. Like, I was talking to Ken before the slugger no, it was the what was the game last week when they played uh, their last home game, Shell's last home game. Can't even think of the team now, Bowes, And he was telling me like himself and Kieran they tend to, you know, they get involved a bit with the training and stuff and like. Even he was blown away by some of the standards of some of the, the Athlone players on, on what they're actually able to do. And the, for me, I do, I think, yes, Ken would know a few. But then again, the other side of it is some of the others might know Ken's coaching style. It, 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 it does not a lot you can read into. The, the problem is, is Kieran and Ken can only put 11 players on the pitch and on whatever subs they want to put on. It's up to the players on the pitch to deliver. And we know shells of players who deliver in big moments. Like the Rovers Cup semi final for me was a massive moment in Tallah. Whereas everybody wrote shells shells off massively after what happened the week before in the league, and then for them to come back and do what they did, I think you know it's, it sets them up. They've been in good form since that as well. So like shells 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 go in here as, as deserved bookies favourites, but I think on form there's not a lot between the two sides.
0: In terms of uh, the the cup final at the weekend, um, we could potentially let's say would win the final at the weekend. We'd have three different clubs winning the three main competitions this year. Uh, which is positive. I suppose if, if Shells were to win, we'd have four if you include the President's Cup. And for one of them not to be Shamrock Rovers, given the investment and the buzz that came in. And they, and you you talked about the comment. Listen, we can't not talk about it. I know Shamrock Rovers no. fans have been slagging off Declan Devine all week about the comments he made, about bringing the Cup back to Daily Mount. Um, they're going to have to eat it a little bit, like you said, in terms of what they said at the start of the year about raising the standards. We could, in theory, if the bookies' favourites do come through and, and um, Shells win that, game at the weekend have four different cups all won by four teams in the league and not one of them is shamrock rovers yeah and um, that's got to be tough to take if you're involved with that yeah uh, forget, forget about the,
1: forget about the president's cup for a second if Sh- if shamrock or so if shells if Sh- if Sh- if win the, the cup to have Mount and shelburne win the, the league and the cup considering how decimated they'll be yeah that'll be a massive kick in the teeth you know, forget uh, Galway winning the, the Avenir because I think Galway win the Avenir is massive. And I think when we do our, our end of season, we'll spend a lot of time talking about that because I think that's important to really raise Galway and what they've done. Tommy Ewan when, when was with winning the president's cup, I think that's brilliant. I think it's great that Atlant won the first one. But for me, with the comments that were made, I think if Shells win the cup and rovers win the, and Piment win the league, that'd be the biggest kick in the kick in the nuts to to Shamrock Rovers because they took nearly what six players nearly from each team.
0: I think it was four or five, but yeah it's it's you know, by, by, to... by mid-season, they had taken another one or two, I think from a couple of them as well. like it's a it, yeah, it was a big it was a big draw on their team, but they it's the quality of the players they took. They took the high yeah. profile ones. They took the girls with international senior experience. There must have been six or seven senior internationals drawn to Tala, um and it hasn't quite worked out for them. I still think. I still think if they keep the investment levels up and I I know Collie's a phenomenal coach uh, and I think the players they have and I'm looking at the quality coming through I know they've two nominated for Young Player of the Year I'm not so sure that amid my shortlist for for the top three players in the country, I personally would have seen Aoife Kelly in there from Shamrock Rovers and then I probably would have had a selection of players from other clubs around the country I think Jenna Slattery would have been a good shout I think Emma Doherty or Casey Howe would have been a good shout from Sligo Rovers Um.
1: Rosham-Loy
0: for me Rochim Roy, I don't think Roshi is eligible I think she's a year too old No she's
1: still For
0: the FAI one I think she's still eligible Just maybe Close
1: 20, 21
0: 21 Yeah She would have been under 17 in 2018 So I think she might be A couple of months over age But I'm not quite sure But the, the point stands um, There are others as well I think Eva Mangan Would have been worth the shout from, from Cork as well These are really good Impressive players In weak sides It's much harder to be impressive In a weak side then in a site packed with full of international experience, and I think that's why I would have gone for one of them had I been asked um, my opinion in terms of how that works. But listen, we are where we are. The t- the three girls nominated for me. There's only one winner, and I, no disrespect to the Shamrock Rovers girls, but I think there's only one winner in that category. There's only one winner in in the uh, in the Player of the Year category, and there's only one winner in the Manager of the Year category. Come I, here.
1: Think- I, I, I know we said there's only one winner in the Player of the Year category, right? And I know I know I've thrown my hat in for Karen. But I'm not going to lie and say this. I wouldn't be at all shocked if Doyle has got a lot of support on that. I wouldn't be. And to be honest with you, it wouldn't surprise me because Syfdile is just, for me, Syfdile, I have Syfdile right up there on the pedestal with Karen Duggan in terms of ability. I do think Karen, for me, has just edged it. But they've been neck and neck for so much of the season. I wouldn't be at all surprised if a curveball was thrown.
0: I think you could have picked any... Karen Duggan and any two players from the Piedmont starting 11, I think you could have put up for that nomination, and they wouldn't have been out of place. Um, I think Erin's possibly a little bit lucky to be in there. I'd like to have seen Neve Reed burke get it. I think she's been a phenomenal addition um, in a full-time capacity over the last two years, because she kind of shared the role with Nisha McAloon for a couple of seasons, and it's great. She's back in. The delight when I asked her about winning the Golden Gloves, the sheer joy that came across her face, because for two or three seasons, p had more clean sheets than everybody else. But because they were split between the two keepers, they both missed out. And somebody else kind of snuck in and played twice as many games and got two extra. I mean, got 11 uh, clean sheets and the two girls had seven or eight each. It was just, it didn't make sense. how Amanda, they worked B-
1: Amanda won the last, I think won the last yeah. two years.
0: Yeah, but didn't have as many clean sheets as the two combined at P-Mount. and. And not that I, again I'm not trying to lower Amanda Budden's achievement in winning the- I think Amanda I think
1: Amanda's had a very good season this year actually. I think it's probably been her best season in the National League. And that's to her credit. I think she's gone to Rover. She's actually she's done very well for them. But for me, like when you talked when I when I talked to Nemo, it was as if a skill kid was winning the first league of Warland title again. Yeah, that's I think, what I got from it. Yeah, and that's sure. the the, I, I, and the I,
0: I, excitement. I got that from the whole squad the other evening. Yeah. Uh, before we do wrap up, we're we're over the hour. We're always going to be over the hour today, I think, given the way that the show started. Uh, Bose and treaty. 1-0 win for Bose. Did you year. see oh, the penalty 30.
1: incident? Pardon? Did you no, see the penalty wait. incident?
0: No. So much happened this week.
1: So, Anne-Marie Uliak comes through the back of, I think it was Katie Malone. She goes to catch the ball, drops the drops the ball. Actually, the see keepers coming and the player gets taken out. Referee Mark Lynch gives the penalty. My social media hasn't stopped. Um, you don't often see them given because the goalkeeper's coming to get the ball. She clearly does. She clears out to the defender, but that's when the goalkeeper normally gets because she's into her box. If she jumps it, I think if she catches it, you probably lets her. He probably lets her away. But I think for the fact, I think it's one of them that you don't see it given very often. But for from a treaty viewpoint, when they haven't got many decisions go their way this year, and then that goes away, you're against you and me. A dad scores and and you lose one nil. It's probably a bit of a a better pill to take, in in, in that sort of sense, and it wasn't the greatest game of football either. Um, Bo's are just, Bowser just looking to see that season. Now it's been an absolute atrocious second half of the season for them. They've that's their own, that's their only win apart from the Cavendish, the game in the in the FAI Cup. Like, and they've struggled for, they've struggled for performances.
0: Absolutely. Final game as well. We'll we give that about as much d- credit as it deserves because, as you said, it was a real end of season fair to it. Uh, you could see that kind of going in as well. And where there was goals flying in everywhere else, uh, only the one penalty, not a great game. The final game was uh, Wexford and Galway and uh, potentially the last game in free Car Crack, but I reckon we'll get another season out of that. But uh, definitely the last game is Wexford-Utes. Uh, will it be the last game for some of our players? There's a couple of players in that squad that have been around. Uh, they're
1: well into their thirties. Oh, can't demand. I can't demand. Um, Kylie Morfield playing until the legs are gone. I, are, the legs are
0: already though?
1: Is my no, question. no, no, no. Kylie's Kylie Kylie's like a Rolls Royce. Kylie just continued to come along. I think when Wexford play well, Kylie plays really well. Uh, from, the, from this viewpoint, though, Abby Callum, Abby has a habit of scoring on the last day of the season. Scored two in 2021 against Piemont. Never forget the depth of chip chips she got over Nevery Burke and, and down the far ends when it went to, I think it was equalise, and that night when they won 5 2. From a Galway viewpoint, it's just a great way to finish the season. A, a command and 4 0 win on the road to Wexford. What more can you want from a, for Phil Trill's side? I think i probably been a, bit, a little bit disrespectful earlier when I when, I, when I, when I didn't mention the buzz. That, that, that's the one I said. Sean McCraw was was brought a buzz because I do think Galway have been really good for the league this year, Leonor. And I think for the fact that the rebranding has worked, I think the social media guys in Galway this year have been actually very good. Some of the behind-the-scenes content and stuff like that that they've actually delivered. I think they've given bang for buck to their fans. They've tried to get as many fans in as possible. They've tried to push for for crowds and stuff like that. I think I think there's, there's been a lot of positives from Galway off the field as much as on the field and i think they've taken a step forward in the right direction i'm just going to leave right now i'm just going to walk away because i remember what i said at the start of the season about Galway, that i thought with the silence <laughs> they made they could probably finish down in the bottom two or three so would you like, would
0: you like some humble pie i've got a couple just,
1: of just, serve just, serve a, li- just a little bit i think i think i think a little bit of humble pies deserved there because fair credit to phil trill his management team and, and the galway players because i think They've, they've put put up it a bit this year in terms of, you know, start of the season. They won one, lost one, losing games 1 0, winning games 1 nil The goal that they scored against Cork from Jenna Slattery when the ball bounced over the goalkeeper's head got a little bit of lucky break. The All Island Cup does no doubt fully deserve to win it. They gave the, the competition a, a great crack and come out victorious. And I think they've had a decent enough second half of the season. And, you know, I think fair play from them. Finishing finishing fifth, well, fourth, uh, fifth place and the fourth place in the league have to be really happy with that.
0: Absolutely, and I think when you look down through the the sides, let's just take a quick look down at, at the uh, the various statistics from across the league this year. Dana Sheriff was obviously top scorer in the league, thirteen goals, but more importantly, only eleven starts in that. She struggled with injury at times. Brethney,
1: 700 600 minutes, over six hundred minutes less than Onyo Gorman
0: Yeah, nine games exactly. 9 games exactly in terms of time 6 thirds sorry seven games exactly my maths are a bit off um, Wow. seven full games less than Ony in terms of minutes on the pitch and and i think that's huge and even a hundred and or thirty minutes less than kate mooney who impressed at the start of the year Um, we were raving about her for, for six months and she got to move to england out of it so we're looking at a player who's declared for ireland who wants to play for ireland uh, and i think i wouldn't be surprised to see her edge into squads in the next six months uh, with ireland if she stays around and, and stays committed to the cause I, I think she's worth a shot she adds something in terms of physicality and tech Technical ability that we've seen from Kira Carusa, and she could be uh, a direct replacement for Carusa in terms of injuries or or that Caruso Obviously, is number one at the moment, but interesting to see how that pans out over the next few months and, and such. Onya Gorman, of course, on twelve a dozen goals for her. She's uh, su- such a legend of the league and, and deserves every bit of respect. But. I suppose the way the season panned out for her, she'd be disappointed not to have sealed that out with 30 minutes to go on that on Saturday evening. Kate Mooney in nine, and then a, a glut of players on eight goals for the season. Maddie Gibson, of course, uh, Sheriff's teammate in Athlone. She'd play in the cup final as well this week. Ellen Dolan impressed in the second half of the season, particularly with uh, the with payment. You mentioned Jenna and We've raved about Christy Gray all season. Emma Doherty with seven for Sligo Rovers and, and arguably a very weak Sligo Rovers side in terms of the league table. That's an impressive haul for her as well. I know uh, if I go down a little bit further, her teammate, um, Casey Howe has six in the league, another five in the Cup for both of them each, or five or six maybe in the Cup uh, for those girls as well, so in, overall in the entire season, a lot of them came against uh, bonnegie in the, in the non-league stage of the Cup, so you take with a bit of a pinch of salt but they did still find five goals each in that particular clash but there's some big names in there um, very impressive performances from them all season. In terms of the keepers, we talked about Neve Reed burke I think I might be missing a, a clean sheet for Rachel Kelly, she did end up on nine uh, on that so our system might be a little bit behind on that but Courtney Maguire on eight, Eve Badana and Amanda Budden with seven each and then a lot of faces there. Katie Keane coming into her own in the second half of the season, impressed greatly with that loan. she'll probably start in the cup final at the weekend and, and I know it's it looks small in terms of the number of starts, but Anri Uliak, uh, two in 20 starts for Treaty. Um, A lot of single goal defeats there as well. Uh, a, lot, a lot of less goals conceded. Yeah. Uh, when That's you the look, biggest. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that for me is, is huge. When you look at the, the number of games Treaty played, um, or the number of wins and, and, and defeats Treaty had this year versus last year, but particularly the, the Cup uh, or the, the, the league's, the point, the goals conceded. If I can talk, I'll be doing really, really well. Uh, just if we take a look back at the league table with Treaty highlighted on that this year, let me just make that full screen for a second. And uh, Treaty, they conceded 50 goals this year in 20 games last year for, 50 in, in 20 games last year was, that's the wrong division, uh, Women's National League, uh, it was 110. Now, obviously, yeah, they played an extra uh, seven games, so it's not quite double, but it's close to double. So to so cut cook- your 50 game, 50
1: goals in 20 games, an average of 2.5 goals per game. Whereas if you look at that last year, the average is what just under four. You know what I mean? That, that in itself, it's speaking, over that, four. It's over four. and the, and the thing is, Marie Uliak has probably been as busy this year as she was last, year, as as the goalkeeper was last year. That's yeah. that's the interesting side of it.
0: I yeah, know it's, it's it's madness but I think a lot of positives down there in in uh in treaty and I think I'm excited to see where that goes but I'm excited to see where a lot of teams go I think Wexford have a big opportunity maybe not next season but definitely over the next two or three years if the facilities come on stream and it's, uh, it's an exciting time to be following the League of Ireland Women's Premier Division and the teams and the players in it and it's really, it's, there's a couple of hiccups. We've talked about LOI TV. We've talked about the facilities a little bit. And I was disappointed. As good as the experience of payment was the other night, everything off the pitch is phenomenal. Everything on the pitch is phenomenal. But around the pitch is not great. There's not really adequate toilet facilities. There's not really proper covered seated area for the the level of crowd that they should be now expecting at games. That's the, the, access the biggest thing. The access and parking is also a massive problem as well for for games at this level. There's no real public transport alternative. You kind of have to drive out to PRL Park Um, and as much as I'd love to see Piedmont stay out there, it really does need investment from probably the FAI is the only one really that's there at this stage to, to help them with that because the club just don't have the resources, I'm guessing. Of, of some of the bigger the, names, the they're... problem,
1: the problem, Brett, is if they do want to stay in the league, their facilities are going to have to improve. That's the biggest thing. And I saw I've said this, I've said this on the record, I said it to James. I know you? It's like, that's the biggest thing for payment is they, if they want to be a women's only self sufficient, they're going to have to have better facilities, they're going to have to have adef, adequate facilities. The problem is, is the FAI were licensing. Probably should be requesting more, but I think the request for licensing is that you have 200 seats. I think that's the current request. That's that little stand facilitates. But like there's things like there's things like uh, you know if if there's nothing else just it's it's a it's a difficult one. Like cuz payment as a club, like you know what some of the people like Dennis Cummins for me in particular. When you see him, pictures of him holding up the League of Ireland trophy at the weekend, that sort of thing fills you with joy because you know what Dennis is. Dennis is all about the women. Dennis loves the women's team. They're nearly like his own children and you know when you see things like that you see so for PML to be sustainable they're going to and stay in the league they're going to need better facilities and maybe it is a case that they're, they're they're going to have to look into something but i'm sure pressure will come on from the likes of the fai over the next couple of years as well to to do something about that and that could be the ultimate downfall of PML tonight is, is facilities but the thing is when you look at PML, you see how much that total means and you see how much it means to people like dennis cummins the chairman of payment mr p you, you see the pictures of him. You know, with Louise Quinn. Every time Louise Quinn comes back to the club, things like that. You're seeing him holding a trophy, like he idolizes them players nearly like his own child. And and you know, you can see how much it means to him. And like you look at the bunting's around, you look at everything around. We talked about the Guard of Honor earlier. Talked about all that sort of stuff. But the problem is, is the facilities aren't. You're right. The facilities aren't great. Like that. That is that. Is that facility really capable of what sort of crowd they had at the weekend? Probably not. It didn't help. Just out that... Just about. But. But probably not. It didn't help with TV. The TV gantry, obviously, being put up and all that sort of stuff, because that stuff's not normally there. The LOI TV cameras are on the other, are on the side where we were, so that sort of stuff. And people tend to funnel down and that sort of stuff. But I think ultimately, in the in the long term, this could be what is the detrimental with Pima United is facilities. Yes, they have great dressing rooms. They have great upstairs facilities and stuff like that. But I even said to James O'Connor that's probably going to be the biggest thing for Pima in the next couple of years. how do they find facilities? Because the FAO are going to get stricter and stricter and stricter on licensing. I didn't want to say this, but I am going to say it. You'll never see Cork City men playing a League of Ireland game in Bishopstown. So I, I hope the FA will eventually turn around to Cork City and say, listen, the women's game isn't being played there. I'd much prefer to be played in somewhere like a Middleton or played in, a, in an actual facility that's better facilities. But I do think that will be the ultimate downfall of Piedmont United in the years to come is that, yes, they're probably facilitating licensing now when it comes to things like the, the seats with the, the 100 seats. But well, as you say, press facilities, you're standing on the side. Like, I had an umbrella in the bag. That's how you know I'm prepared to come to payment. I, I, I had the warm clothes on just to stay warm and things like that. Just unfortunately, when you go out there, there isn't nothing there. As you said, like, there's no transport, there's no nothing. You have to drive. You and, and for the club to progress, they're going to need to have that sort of investment. Maybe they're going to need to catch into capital grants from the government and stuff like that to push the facilities on. Because realistically, I'd love to see a self sustaining women's team, I'd love to see. PML continue to be do what the Glasgow City women do and, and push on and things like that. But if I the should. facilities aren't up to date, they're not going to be able to do that. And that's probably going to be the biggest thing to hold female back in the years to come. And I do have a fear for female because of that. But I do hope that they get support. And they're great for women's football. Their underage academies are brilliant. The stuff they're doing, the players that are churning out through, through the gates. It's probably. This is probably the youngest average age female team I'd say this year, or in a number of years since the likes of Lauren O'Callaghan, Neil Farley, and Lucy McCartan and all made their debut years ago. And, and that's the sort of you know they're just funneling them players through, and they're really important for the for the growth and future of Irish football, women's football. But unfortunately, the facilities just aren't there.
0: I shouldn't have smirked, but when you mentioned the sports capital grants, but uh, given the. Revelations that have come out of the FAI in the last seven days. It could be a while before soccer clubs get those as well. Uh, we're back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And hopefully, that's not quite to the same level as we've seen before in the FAI. I don't believe it is, but I do think uh, it needs to be kind of sorted out and, and made sure that the sport as a whole is given the um, the footing that it deserves in the community and in the Irish society in general. In terms of the weekend, let's finish up because. Um, we, we've gone way over time, but I think it's, it's that time of year we'll we kind of uh, indulge ourselves a little bit. Um, Cup final at the weekend. is a repeat of last year. We know how that finished. Shells won the trophy, won the double. Um, it means a bit more to them this year because they don't have that league title sewn up. It's no King's last game in charge of the side. Um, A very changed at loan team as well. Not so much with Tima or with Shells, although there are a few. Uh, your thoughts on, on what we can expect from. um. From uh, the
1: game? I think, to be honest, it could be a copy of firefly again. I think it could be either a dull, a dull game or it could be a copy of firefly. I think both sides are going to want to impress both sides. I want to stamp their authority on, on the game. I think whoever gets that, the Athlone front five is is, is deadly. It's lethal. Shell's wingers are lethal. Um, maybe Noel Murray probably isn't having the best of the season up top, but she's still scoring vital goals for them. I think, from a Shell's viewpoint, Shell's can't afford to concede early. If Shell's concede it early, it could be a, a difficult day for them. I think from an Athlone viewpoint, they definitely want to right the wrongs from last year. I think that's really important from them. They know where they messed up. They know where they didn't deliver the performance. I'm hoping for another big crowd and a big, big day at Tala. I know the West Stand is nearly all gone. I think they're halfway down the, the East Stand as well. There's not there's a few tickets left in the South Stand. So there is still tickets available, but they are going and they are moving. So we're looking, we could potentially have another record crowd at a, at a Women's Cup final like we did last year with the two sides. And I think that'd be a great way to cap off the season and the sort of ended on a high. Who's going to win? I don't really know. I think I think I, I, if, I was to, if I was to put the money on it, I'd sort of be leaning towards Athlone, But I don't to, You never want to write Schalke off.
0: In terms of you mentioned the ticket sales, in terms of uh, the success over the last two cup finals, this one and then last year, was it the right decision to move it to Tala? I hate. I listen. I love it being in Daviva, but I hate it being in Daviva.
1: The problem is, is it's too hard to get neutrals to the game. How can you expect someone to come to a game at 12 o'clock or 12 or 12 45 and then stay for a men's game at four o'clock? Used to hate doing it in terms of working at the games. You know, you're, you're, you're there, it's cold. Whereas in the Aviva, in Tala, it's sort of you're in, you're out. Like for me, realistically, we should be aiming to sell Tallah out, sell out at 10,000 when the new standard's ready, sell out once or twice. Then let's go back to the Aviva seeking We get 15, 20,000, push on, build on, and and you know. Like When we're ready to go there, that we're not going there and it looks crap, it doesn't look great on TV, that's when it's time to go back. Likewise, we'll see the Irish women's team go back to the Aviva next year. I've no doubt they'll play several of them League A games in the Aviva. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a massive 12 months, I think, for women's football in Ireland in terms of attendances. And it's about can the FAI continue to capture the public and, and actually get the public out to, to vote with their feet and, and come and watch the women's game? That's the big question.
0: To be fair... In, in the last seven days, we've seen three really impressive games back to back over the weekend. The playoff final in Tallah stadium on Friday night was an excellent watch for any neutral, and even for the two clubs involved, even Cork after getting relegated. I think the actual performance was exceptional from, from mm-hmm. both sides. Uh, the women's final round of games all day Saturday was the amount nice. of goals was, was brilliant, but it was great to watch it, even though there was no jeopardy really in place to see the goal of the season um, or the top scorer go to the last, change hands in the last half hour of, of the games. Uh, to see Shells do it in such style, or, or P- and Shells win in such style. Um, Galway really set the bar as well for them coming into next season. And then the Cup final was exceptional again on, on Sunday. A sold-out, uh, almost sold-out at least, uh, the sold-out balance were definitely up in the Aviva on, Saturday- on Sunday. I think as much as I'm critical of the FAI, and I am critical of the FAI a lot, but I, I have to say they've done some really good work within the league and domestic football, men's and women's this year. Um, there's a few things that need to be talked about. We've talked about them, the LOI TVs and all that sort of stuff. But I think last weekend, um, despite what some influencers might be saying on Twitter this week and the blow-ups, I think the FAI deserve a huge amount of credit for the work that's gone in in recent um, years in terms of sanitising the League of Ireland and making it kind of sexy again.
1: 100%, 100%. I think the FAI, I think some of the clubs deserve an awful lot of credit. Some clubs can still do an awful lot, an awful lot more to help and, and grow. But I think the FAI are going in the right direction. I think that the renewing of the sponsorship where. As I as well as another positive. We're going to have a marquee sponsor over the women's league for the next year. Over the new branding for me is has been has been a massive success. Like you see, the men where the men have one color for the Premier Division, the first division, and then the women have the have a different color. I think it's great. It's all under the same logo. Everything's under the same website. There's so much more for the FEI to build in the next couple of years, but it's taken a massive step forward across the board. And I think the women's football have benefited
0: this year hundred percent. I think also another thing that's really impressed me this year is the speed. And um, Probably more so on the men's side than the women's side of the highlights going up. The men's, it's within maybe two or three hours of the final whistle. Um, for women, it's probably the next day. Uh, but it used to be three or four days for a boat. It used to be Monday or Tuesday before they went up uh, last year. Uh, now they're up in a timely fashion where you can actually watch it in as you'd want to watch it. If that Although makes sense. I am
1: going to be critical. When games haven't been streamed on LI TV, we haven't got highlights from them games. It's the only I will say. And we have to we have to balance it out a little bit there. Yeah. But I do think what the FAI a lot of what the FAI doing is great and it's positive. It's it's moving in the right direction. And I think the, the thing about the, the the media department, when it comes to the League of Ireland, they've got some people who actually care about the League of Ireland. I think exactly. that's probably the most important thing there is they care about it and they want to see it grow.
0: The one asterisk I will say about the highlights, and and it's just a personal bugbear, I think it's great. What's there is great. Uh, Nine out of ten. I just miss... uh, It's goals only, and I think it needs to be more than just goals only. I think there needs to be a bit more effort put in, in terms of maybe um, having people analyse those games. And and even, like God forbid, uh, there are plenty of services out there. FinalWhistle.ie is one of them, but there are others uh, that actually clock these events in real time. You can go back and get that information and and uh, add it to, like, it shouldn't be that difficult to go back and, and, and get those cl- clips and make what's now maybe 60, 70, 80 second highlights package into two and a half to three minutes with sending offs. I know they're negative, but yeah, it's part of the game. Missed penalties, which don't seem to appear at all, or or the build-up to a penalty in terms of how that penalty is awarded. The major talking points, if there's a goal disallowed, that should be in there as well. I know they don't like a court and controversy, but I think it needs to be in there. If it's going to be a real... You need to show the bad with the good. That's what people get gets people talking. More people talk about a bad VAR decision in the in the English league than they do about the ones they get right. So let's give them the warts and all. Let's let people see the bad side with the good side. There's way more positives than negatives. So let's let's highlight the positives by identifying the negatives. In my opinion,
1: 100% agree with you. 100% agree with you. But I'll definitely say everything this year has been a massive step on in the right direction. Oh.
0: I, again it's a nine it's nine if not nine and a half out of ten improvement this year i think kudos to everybody um down in in abbotstown in terms of the work they've put in and is it down or up
1: for you are <laughs> <that gross>? <laughs>
0: Kind of a bit of everywhere, but it, it, you know what I mean? I was, I was going to say down somewhere else, but I, I changed it to Aberstown in the last minute. But um, I think the clubs deserve huge credit. Some of them have really stepped up to the plate. Uh, there's not a lot for the rest to do to get to that level as well, but I think it's it's definitely all going in the right direction. And I had the good fortune. I, I, I did the commentary, co-coms on the uh, Avenir Sports Cup final. You've done a couple of games in the men's and women's leagues this year. And it's, um, it's nice to... To kind of see the improvement And the, the investment in the game And I think it's only going to get better We've seen massive uh, deals in the UK For the for the Women's Super League We've also seen new uh, broadcast deals In the NWSL as well And I think there's an opportunity there For the Women's League to grow I personally think TV With proper investment is the route forward I think it'll generate the most money for the league Remember and this that. I love it
1: when TG Carr first came in With four games Twelve games this year to have shown.
0: Yeah. But I think it's been a huge success. And the underdogs is part of that as well. And and I think the the World Cup can't be underestimated in terms of okay, we might be not we might be not too happy with how everything turned out around the World Cup in terms of the management situation. The performances weren't what we would have liked them to be um in terms of results. But um I think it's in terms of bringing the sport to the next level, it's been a huge step. We've one foot in the Euros in 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 12 months time and that is a, a massive step forward as well and I think it's exciting times for the league, for the team at national level and some of the individual players who've really been uh, putting on a shining light this year. Katie McCabe getting nominated for the uh, Ballon d'Or been in the running for the Ballon d'Or even if she didn't quite, quite feature in the, the upper levels of it it's a huge step forward. Kira Caruso well, been involved, uh, has made a huge impact in her first season in the NWSL uh, and we're seeing others uh, coming through. Denise Sullivan, of course her, she captained the uh, North Carolina Courage to the, the Challenge Cup there as well. She, so, Sinead
1: Fairly Cinderella story
0: oh it's phenomenal like there's so much really positive stories coming out of the and I'm t- I'm scratching the surface every single girl in that squad has a story to match Chloe mustaki has a phenomenal personal story as well going back over a decade uh, there's so many positives even Megan Campbell coming back and, and featuring for Everton the other night off the, uh, her first start I think of the season uh, that kind of stuff is is huge in terms of these players coming back in and and, uh, and I suppose just bringing the sport to the next level, creating those players who are the inspiration for the the seven and eight and nine and ten year olds that surrounded me last weekend. It was like the Pied Piper of PRL Park. Uh, as much as I was trying to get away from them, they just seemed to flock after me until I got into the little media section where you had very conveniently weaselled yourself in at the very start. Wish I'm I'd always remember. in there. I'm
1: always in there. Have you, my backpack
0: and always left in there. It shows. It shows me uh, how little games I get to in PRL Park, but. <laughs> I needed a personal invite from the manager before I'd show up. No, I'm only joking, but listen. Uh, head neck on the block. Cup final at the weekend. Uh, wrapping up a really significant season for the sport in this country. Uh, who's going to win? One word.
1: Katie Keane Katie to to half nightmare to, to haunt our old team.
0: That's a big statement. Uh, Listen, I'm sure it's probably not unrealistic as well. Uh, It's been a a great show this week. We're way over time. We're nearly up on the hour and a half mark. uh, But listen, it's been phenomenal. Aaron, uh, we've one show left, possibly two, if we stick around for the international games at the end of the month. Uh, But uh, the Cup final comes on Sunday. Do make an effort. If you're anywhere near Tala or even can get to Tala for Sunday, do buy a ticket. Make sure we set records for the women's game again this year. It's been a phenomenal year. We really want to top it off uh, with another really, really good uh, showpiece event with the Cup Final. Let's let's repeated last year. Hopefully, it's a close game, and hopefully both sides will serve up something special to watch at the weekend. Aaron, as always, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for joining me, and we'll be back next week to look back at the Cup Final, but hopefully we'll see all of you on, uh, in Tala Stadium on Sunday afternoon. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are too. Chat to you then.